Good afternoon. Welcome to Blast Beats and Bicycles, the Bicycle Hour. I'm joined in studio today by Lila Girton. Lila, how you doing? I'm well. Thanks so much for having me, Jason. Absolutely. It's great to have you here. We're going to talk all things urban bike racing. You ready to dive into some stuff? Oh, yeah, for awesome. sure. Awesome. Cool. Well, we've got a few things that we got to do from a housekeeping perspective before we dive in, but we've got... Um, MCN, WMCN, McAllister College Radio, 91.7 FM, hosting us here today in the basement of 30 Mac. It was a building that was right next door to my old dorm room back oh, in the wow. day. Yeah, we may or may not have put kegs on the roof of this building during parties. Sounds appropriate. Yeah, there's for college. you couldn't approve that in a court of law, of course. <laughs> We got to kick things off, first of all, on Blast Beats and Bicycles, like we do every week with our recap of the activities at the National Sports Center Velodrome last night. You were up in the stands last night, weren't you? Yeah, I got to come out. I uh, got there about 8.30, so I caught the last half of the night. Yeah, some good racing last night, very, wasn't it? Very, very good racing. Yeah, all it, the fields were super fast last they night. They were, It yeah. was really fun. We actually had three state championships last night, mm-hmm. um, and it was a big battle in the state championship points race for the men's 1-2. Uh, Laszlo Alberti, uh, one of the uh, master's level races out there was uh, doing battle with Peter Moore, who's one of the younger stars out there. In fact, he's going to uh, World Championships, World Junior Championships on a Saturday. Yeah, I'm so excited for him. Yeah, totally one of five in the U.S. who is representing the, the country at and Eigel in Switzerland. I it's mean, wild. Unbelievable. It is. It's amazing. so cool for him. Yeah. And he's a St. Paul kid. Goes, yeah. to, goes to SPA right down the street, St. Paul Academy. Do you want to know a fun fact? I do. Um, I taught Peter Moore how to swim no when way. he was like five years old. How, that's crazy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I used to work for Foss Swim School. And wow. I used to coach and uh, the Morris came. They brought both of their kids. That's him and Alex. Yeah. awesome. I know. That's so cool. <laughs> so seeing him at the track when I first started like five years ago yeah. was just a total throwback. Yeah. It was like, oh, our buddy. That's And amazing. then watching him grow into the athlete that he's become yeah. is just incredible. And he's such a great kid. He is. I mean, he just is such a great kid. His dad actually is a professor here at McAllister. Oh, I didn't yeah, know Yeah, David Moore is his name. Okay. And, uh, he's a professor, English professor here at, uh, I believe English. Sorry, David, if I got that wrong. English. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's English. Um, but yeah, so anyway, he and Laszlo were battling it out for points and Laszlo just kept shutting them down every time. Yeah. And uh, Peter and Casper, uh, Daniel Casper, mm-hmm. uh, teammates on the Donkey Label squad, tried to track down uh, a lap. They, uh, they went off on their own and they were out all by themselves for at least 15 laps trying to gain that lap. And they never got more than a half a lap because Laszlo would just shut him down every time. Yeah, that was brutal. Yeah, yeah, it was great. So Peter ended up with the silver. Laszlo took gold. Uh, and Peter Olenicek, uh from the Bora squad took uh, third place, got the bronze medal in that one. Um, we had the uh, Karen state championship for the the women's one two three field and that was just blistering did you were you there for that i missed it oh, i love so the good that's it my was favorite so race good. yeah so so uh risa husted uh from the taco cat club uh she started out right after the motor left pretty much she went off after it so halfway through the bike race she just took off oh wow off the front and uh it looked good i mean it was a strong strong move by by risa uh and then Lindsay. And uh, Hillary Wilde tried to jump on and, and get on her wheel. And Hillary got on right behind Risa. And so it was like down to the last lap. And, and Lindsay Hamilton just p- turned on the afterburners, <laughs> just shredded the track in that last lap and took the gold. Yeah, uh, she's been known to do that. Yeah. I got to watch her race when we went out to uh, the Midwest Challenge Nice um, at Major Taylor last summer. Mm-hmm. And during the time trial events, um, racing against a lot of like pro one, two, three women out there uh you just got to see like how many matches she has to yeah. burn and her tactics are always spot on she knows exactly when to go yeah. i mean she knows exactly when she's got the strength and when people you know are are kind of gassed it's mm-hmm. it's really cool to see uh and then our last state championship of the night was in the category four field uh and that was a 40 lap uh, scratch race and that was really a fun race to see you saw that one didn't yeah you? that surprised the heck out of me yeah so so david redinger uh led out with like two to go and he started kicking it in and he took along uh david schuler who had been out there by himself for a long time uh redinger caught schuler and then uh tucked away in the middle of the pack Hadn't said his name all night long, Nathan Lee from the Velocity Cycling Club. Comes out of nowhere and in that last lap just totally picks those guys off at the line. Yeah, and for that race um, to be as strung out as it was, it was amazing to see like people coming from the back in the middle of the pack. Yeah. 
because they had started to really gather speed. Yeah. Um, you know, round lap 2025. Mm-hmm. Yep. You could see everyone was kind of making that effort to yep. string out the pack as much as there possible. There were a lot of attacks. They were trying to whittle it down. And they did They did yeah. eliminate a bunch of people. I mean, a lot of people got pulled because they were getting lapped. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, it was really, I mean, that was a fun race. And then to have Nathan just be tucked in, I mean, literally in the middle of the pack, never said his name once during that race. And then he just popped out and blasted to the finish line. A lot of those uh, people, this is their first summer racing yep. Yep. as well. It's Nathan's real first real summer oh, racing. I mean, yeah. yeah, and then it was his first state championship, so uh, it was really cool. His parents were in the in the stands. And, yeah, it was fun to see that. They're uh, they're big fans. That's so, great. Yeah, it was good. It was uh, it was a really a fun night <clears throat> overall. Um, so I want to switch gears a little bit. Talk a little bit about urban bike racing. Gears. Yeah, <laughs> gears. Not necessarily though. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, how do you define urban bike racing? Um, me personally, or like, yeah, what, the, yeah. Okay. What, 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 what does that mean to you? Urban to me is all of the styles kind of mixed into one. It's however I use my bike to get to work, um, how I use my bike to race, how I use my bike for exercise, how I use my bike for my mental health. So it's kind of all of the above in this like tightly knit little package for your soul (laughs) wow that's yeah yeah that's like a philosophy (laughs) (laughs) yeah and with urban bike racing for me and what i want to see it become and what it's offered to me is this really great inclusive community of people who maybe race road or maybe have never raced before or they just use their bike for fun Mm -hmm. um and or just commute. Yep. And maybe they ride with brakes and maybe they ride without brakes and nobody really judges each other and everybody yeah. gets along. It seems like I mean, obviously, that the velodrome, we've got a really inclusive community, but it feels yeah. like there's a lot of urban rides and racing are very open. I mean, welcoming to just about everybody. It is. And you see that a lot in the dirt scene and then mm-hmm. the gravel scene. And, um, you know, later we're going to talk about the community ride that's happening this weekend, Powderhorn 24. That's um, another big catalyst for yeah. like creating that inclusivity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you know, when I think about urban bike riding and racing, you know, in terms of a competitive or, you know, sort of a, a, an event type of thing, I think about alley cats. I think about, um, you know, fixed gear criteriums yeah. uh, like Red Hook Criterium, for example. And uh, then I think about the rides like Powderhorn, which, you know, is racy. Let's race ish. Let's call it, you know, it's, it's not really a race, but they time and there's teams and it's, you know, I mean, people want to want to go fast, right? Yeah. And it's just by the graces of the community and the volunteers and the organizers that put it together that, um, look at what would make this inclusive for people that want to race and people that just want to ride and be part of the community. I like that they they time it. Mm-hmm. They, there's going to be a leaderboard. Yep. There usually is. Um, there are a couple people that have like produced an application for the leaderboard so cool. that you can follow during the 24 hours. Can, span. can you tell people where to find that app? Yeah. Well, um, I'm pretty sure it's just powderhorn24.com. All right. Cool. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll talk more about that mm-hmm. as we get into that. Um, you know, for me, it feels like the the foundation of urban bike racing is alley cats. You know, to me, that's like, you know, I mean, obviously, criteriums are, you know, the foundation of fixed gear crits, but that that even sort of evolved out of alley cat culture. Absolutely did. So Mm -hmm. let's talk a little bit about alley cats. I know you've done a lot of the local uh, cats. Yeah, I kind of came into this scene when I moved back home in 2012 and I didn't know I was living in Chicago at the time and commuting and I clipped in for the first time and was riding like. 12 miles each way up north to where I was working. And when I moved back here, I was introduced to a mutual friend who was doing alley cats and on, on a team, on a co-ed team of people um, that actually Andy Loggison and Max Becker started. Nice. Yeah. And so he was like, do you want to go to this alley cat? It's called the beach cat. I was like, what, <laughs> what does that is even an mean? alley cat? Like, what is this anyways? He said, they give you a manifest. It's a piece of paper. And they'll be like, 
eight stops and they're all going to be different beaches. And maybe at every stop you, you do something that the volunteer like says, um, you know, jump in the lake or pick a, pick a cute rock up (laughs) off the ground and skip it or something. And then you get your manifest tracked. Um, but you, you route everything yourself. So Mm -hmm. there's not a specific course. There are so many different ways to slice that cake. Yep. And I was like, why not? Let's do it. And it was a blast. Actually, I take that back. Um, The poker cat was my first race. That's what we were doing, where you get a hand of poker. And I was like, I've never played cards before. What the heck? (laughs) That's fantastic. And then I kind of got hooked and I met a lot of really awesome people. And they were like, they just took me under their wing. That's great. Yeah. Most of them are local messengers. A lot of people... Um, just commute. Yeah. We have a lot of amazing crushers in the yeah. community that like you'll never really see race, um, maybe a USA cycling race. Right. Or a legitimate like But if you can hold their race. wheel on the greenway, you're doing good. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, and that's their jam. Yeah. I think another good place uh to start is um this Alley Cat series called the No Name, and it's the first Sunday of every month, and it starts at Father Hennepin. Um, park in St. Anthony, mm-hmm. uh, St. Anthony, Maine. Yep. And uh, it starts at like 6 or 6.30, I can't remember. But yeah, you'll see people kind of like crawl out from all these different pe- pieces and pockets of the community and ride. And yeah. they throw like it, there's a different manifest every month and whoever wins gets to throw the race the next fun. The next month. Yeah. That's fun. And they're in like episode or edition like 150 some or something like that. Yeah. Right? So, you know, going back to how long have all Alley Cat's been going for? Well, probably before I was born. Yeah. It's been, it's been around 30, for a long time. 30-ish years and, ago. And yeah, it really was, it was uh, messengers that kind yeah. of started. I mean, basically it's mm-hmm. like, it's like a, a sort of an homage to a messenger manifest, right? You talked right. about manifest before. Right. Like a day in the life of a messenger, yeah. basically like we need to do so many drops within this time frame. Um, Cause as a courier, you get paid. Sometimes you get paid when you're working legal. Right. Um, everything needs to be there on time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you get paid like maybe a purse or a commission or a flat rate based on that. But a lot of food couriers, um, it's based by like, by the trip, basically, vibrant, right? Yeah. yeah. Like you have to do as many possible trips as you can right. um, during your shift so that you get the book. Right. It's bucks. not like you're getting a, you know, you 15 bucks an hour, you're getting tips and you're getting paid you get every base, time you take yeah. a trip. Right. So you get a base wage and some tips, yeah, so you know, the more you a lot go, of messenger companies have yeah. really gotten a lot better about, about, um, paying really paying well. A good wage. Mm-hmm. That's, that's yeah. good. That's good. And so, you know, you talked about some of the goofy things that you get to do at some of these, these stops. Yeah. What are some of the craziest things you've ever done on a cat? Oh my gosh. Actually, um, the white castle alley cat, uh, <laughs> that Andy Logson had put on, um, where you didn't have to eat the White Castle, right. but the idea was you need to go to as many White Castles in the Twin Cities as you possibly can on your bike. Oh, jeez! And retrieve a receipt from each one. Nice. So. And that was the only alley cat that I won, actually. <laughs> Is that because you know where all the uh, well the White Castles are? Heck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 30 pack, Not judging. 30 pack for life. <laughs> we used to get crave cases and then race to the top of uh, a parking ramp in Minneapolis and nice. consume them. Now, I know Andy's got some White Castle ink. <laughs> Do you have some White Castle ink too? No, no, no. <laughs> Hard pass. Hard pass. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What are, what are the things that you like about cat, Alley Cats? I mean, what are the things that, that really make it fun for you? I like that you can show up at Alley Cat and you'll probably know someone that will want to route and race with you um, or ride with you. Cool. If you want to be chill. I like the I like usually I like going off on my own. Um, But recently, like I got to I got to ride with Sky and Risa Husted. Mm -hmm. And that was neat because I raced with Risa on the track Mm -hmm. and it was a way for me to kind of experience another style of riding. Yeah. And you're looking out for each other. And sometimes we're like going through intersections mm-hmm. and calling out, you know, which way is a safe way to go. Yep. And we're riding together. And it was great to have all of our minds fused 
because some of us knew parts of one town um, and some of us knew parts of another. Nice. So I really enjoy the people aspect. Yep. And that on the fly, like maybe there's construction or maybe like this light is taking too long and Mm -hmm. it's easier for me to just route on the fly and take a right here so that it's more safe um, to get to my destination. So really it just comes down to like the the people and the people that run it, you know? Yeah. And sometimes there's like really cool product that you could win. Right. What, you know, so you've ridden a number of these, these events. What, what is it that makes a good alley cat from a participant's perspective? What are some of the things that, that you enjoy, like that of a good race? I think direction. So if the host, I like when people are really well organized. Mm -hmm. So a well organized host to me would have all the addresses clearly printed, mm-hmm. um, which most of them do. Yep. Um, they give direction at the beginning of the alley cat where if you, what recently happened to us as well, if you plan your route, you're given, usually you're given 15 minutes to a half an hour with your manifest before the so alley cat plan starts. plan it out. Yep. So you can plan it out. Nice. But the organizer can say something like, park your bikes over here and Mm -hmm. you have to run through the park or (laughs) the old Le Mans style. Right. Or like what happened to us last weekend was Jeff O'Neill was putting on house party cat. And he said, this first stop, I know you guys are going to go here. So you cannot go there first. You can go there second. (laughs) So basically it, we had to reroute. And that was like a moment where we're like, okay, great fun. And it shakes (laughs) it up a little bit. That's cool. And sometimes it, Makes people a little um, angry <laughs> or fus- or frustrated, but uh, I like that because that's you know the urban aspect. Well, I of mean, it. you know, going back to the history of you know messenger, uh, you know, courier business, mm-hmm. right? I mean, there could be the whole street closed for construction. Right. You got to get to that building that's to ten feet from you. How do you get there? Mm-hmm. Better run. Better run. <laughs> how's how's your cyclocross skills? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Better free lock that bike and run the building. <laughs> have you uh, have you ever put on a, a cat by yourself? Um, let me think. I can't remember. Yes. Yeah. Well, not alone. Not, not by alone, yourself, but you've been part of the host. No. Group. Well, primarily like uh, Tiana Johnson. When we were all on Coachella together, yep. we started like the Coachella Classic. Right. And so they did. They did most of the work. We all kind of like did our part to um, help run the, mm-hmm. the weekends. Yeah. But um, I feel like I have, but I can't remember yeah. right now, which is wild. My only my only real experience with an alley cat is uh, I volunteered with uh, Emily Wade when she put on hers a couple years ago. Yeah. Uh, Emily, uh, former guest of the show. Yeah. And uh, McAllister grad uh, put on a, a um, an alley cat and it ended at uh, the Sisyphus, Sisyphus Brewing Company. Yeah. I and raised so I was that checking. one. Did you? Yeah, it was I, great. I do remember you coming in. It yeah, was I was super uh, fun. I was checking uh, checking manifests on the on the way in. Yeah. So it was great. It was um, in a fundraiser for. I believe accumulation of yeah, there were several women's p- groups, Planned Parenthood, yeah, and something and else. I can't remember who else were the volunteers, but it yeah. was all a, it was all benefit, and every stop was thing. educational. Yeah, I remember that. That's <laughs> yeah. a really fun, you know, like double whammy, right? Yeah, you get to learn something and um, kind of spend a, a few minutes with your volunteers. Yeah, yeah, it's cool. Instead of just being like checkpoint stamp right. manifest, right. Really quick, so. You're dropping racers and dropping knowledge. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> dropping knowledge. I like that one. That was really good. So, you know, when you think about like USA Cycling, you talked a little bit about USA Cycling and cr- sanctioned racing like crits. How does a how does the culture at sanctioned racing differ from what you experience at these alley cats? Oh, that's a great question. I feel like now, especially within the last couple of years, um, it, it's, it's getting similar. I don't know exactly how to explain this. Um, okay. So when I show up to alley cats, usually the attention is, um, very similar to showing up at like a crit race or a track race. Everyone's kind of like getting in the zone. Um, they're doing whatever they need to be doing, like, uh, drinking their pre-race fuel. Um, sometimes at alley cats, they're cracking beers for sanctioned racing. We're not allowed to do that. Of course. (laughs) Um, 
I wouldn't condone that. <laughs> um, but there's a lot of similarities as like what that pre-race within the hour of the mm -hmm. race kind of looks like. Um, the community aspect, I feel like it's been really friendly. I haven't had any negative experiences in, in either. And I think that's because we've kind of done our due diligence in mm -hmm. trying to suss out maybe negative people yeah, and make it a little bit more inclusive. Like at both USAC events and Alley Cat events, um, I'm if if it's here, yep. then I'm on my radar. I'm like, oh, there's a new person that I haven't seen, or maybe yeah. they're from out of town. Like, yep. I usually introduce myself. Nice. Sometimes in when I'm in like race mode, that's yep. really difficult. Yeah, to I do bet it is. Because I'm not a very like not a very uh, happy person when I'm getting myself in the zone. Yep. Uh, I'm so right maybe there with not very maybe yeah. not approachable. Yeah. But. From the most part, like I feel welcomed when I go. I do a lot of races um, nationally, and I mm -hmm. travel to race, and I find that in both forums, types of racing um, between Alley Cats and USAC races, yeah. that like people are introducing themselves to me and making me feel That's pretty great. welcome and asking me like, uh, "Do you need anything? Do you need help pinning your number yeah. on your jersey?" That's great. So. I feel welcomed and I just want to continue that because we're yeah. growing and that's the only way to really grow our sport. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it's really important because, you know, especially with USA cycling, um, it's not getting any younger mm -hmm. and we really need to do everything we can to bring people who are non-traditional cyclists, whether they're, you know, young kids or people who might be involved in other kinds of cycling that have never tried an organized race. I mean, putting on races uh, myself, I recognize the challenge because you got to pay a lot of money to host these venues and you got to make sure that people are coming in to race. So from a purely financial perspective, right. it's critical to have new people. But mm -hmm. I mean, just for the vibrancy of the culture and, and the experience in the sport, we got to keep bringing in people. Um, that might not have normally been on that bike racing track kind of thing. So. Yeah. And for you, like with Southside Sprint, it's amazing to see how that all unfolds on many different levels of that, mm -hmm. because essentially we're kind of coming out, it's a wash. Yep. Um, but when you find sponsors that like back you year after year yeah. and you retain those relationships, it, it only grows from there. Absolutely. And I think that that's super like, your Southside Sprint and that whole that whole weekend, like last year, you did the Northeast, mm -hmm. yep, um, the Northeast race, which yep. a teammate of mine had had raced, and I did the drag races, and that was super fun. And then this year, we added the Fulton, yep. downtown the Thunderdome, Thunderdome, yeah, which was a fixed gear crit, yeah, and uh, that was just uh, that was amazing. It was amazing to race during the Aquatennial in my home city and. We had people that uh, flew in from out of state to yeah. race it. So that also is going to pick up and get even more popular yeah, next year. Absolutely. Let's uh, let's shift gears and talk a little bit about fixed gear crits. But before we do that, we got to remind people you're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles. This is the bike hour here at McAllister College Radio, 91.7 FM in St. Paul, Minnesota. I'm here with Lila Gurton, and we're talking all things urban bike racing. Uh, spent a little bit of time talking about alley cats, but you know, there's an old, a, a really relatively new phenomenon that kind of blends a little bit of alley cat culture, a little bit of track racing, and a little bit of, you know, sanctioned USA cycling criterium stuff, you know, the fixed gear crit, you've done a bunch of crit racing on your track bike. Talk a little bit about what you've done and what your experiences have been like. My first track crit was, I cannot remember the exact year, um, but was the all city championship. So all city cycles is, um, a local bike brands here out of, um, quality bike products. And, they Jeff Frain usually spearheads it, and they have a weekend long of racing, mm -hmm. and it's usually a fixed gear crit, um, a bandit cross, which is a cyclocross race uh, that is like ran is not randomly, but is groomed like the day of or the day before, and they like put up course tape, and it's like semi official, but it's super fun. And then they have the alley cat race and an after party. Yep. 
So I did the fixed gear crit and they had a men's section category and a women's category. And I was like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> so I think that was uh, Tiana, Tiana Johnson, who mm-hmm. had been my teammate then and, and is still a teammate on a different um, fixed gear crit only team. Yep. Podium punks. Podium punks. Um, spelled P-U-N-X. <laughs> and I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I had only raced a fixed gear bike on the track. Yep. I had never ridden my fixed gear bike uh, on the street at all. And uh, it was a blast. It was like down at the farmer's market in mm-hmm. uh, International Market Square, that yep. area, the farmer's yep. market in Minneapolis, um, which is a super rad course. And there are some there are some spills. There are people that were in town that I had never met before. So there are a lot of new friends out. Um, and later it turned into like they were doing they did drag races, not that same year, yeah. but a few years afterwards. And I was like, this is really scary. I don't think I'm ever going to do this again. <laughs> I was like legitimately like I'm done. I, <laughs> yeah. I, I backed off. I put the mm-hmm. gas on through a couple of corners and it felt good. And then it got too scary. And I was yep. like, I don't think I'm going to do this. Yeah. Um, and then the next year I did it again. That's awesome. <laughs> so just to, you know, provide some definition, tell us what a criterium is, first of all. So a criterium is usually a road race. That is a closed course anywhere between one and three kilometers. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there are right and left turns. Yep. Some of us are used to only going left. <laughs> Track so, riders. Yes, it can be <laughs> can be a little tricky. Um, but the idea behind a fixed gear criterium is that um, it's a closed course still. It's on streets. Maybe there's like some quick left to right turns um, within a few like meters, 10 to 30 meters mm-hmm. of each other, which we call a chicane when we have those quick turns. Um, sometimes 180 degree turns, which causes you to like have to find a different line coming into that apex so that you're not striking your pedal because you continuously have to pedal. You can't stop (laughs) stop pedaling. Um, and you're riding a track bike with drop bars and you have no brakes. Yeah. So, you know, from an outsider's perspective, when you watch stuff like Red Hook, which is granted a sort of another level of show, yeah. um, it just looks like those things are set up as a crash fest. I mean, that the whole point is to watch people just destroy themselves. The I feel like they don't they do everything in their power to pre-ride at speed yeah. all the courses, get rider feedback. I yeah. know that. Um David Trimble from Red Hook Criterium, mm-hmm. they have done the same Red Hook um, course now mm-hmm. for the last three years because it's such a good course. That's great. It's super technical. Yeah. And that's the point is you're having, you have writers from all different disciplines, all different walks of yep. life. Um, and it's, it has to be difficult. Yeah. Um, it has to be technical, right? but I think they do their job in making sure that it's as safe as possible. So they're not setting you up for failure and it, you know, Rockstar Energy didn't really come on the bill and say like, we want to sponsor a crash fest. <laughs> um, but it happens because yeah. you have riders from all walks of life Yep, and you really, Different your head's got to be on a swivel. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing, you know, on the track. We ride fixed gear because it is predictable because it is, you know, I mean, we know what we're doing and we're close together and, but the track is designed for that kind of speed, you know, with the banking and all of that. And you just, you know, understand how to ride on the, on the track. But when you get people, like you said, from all walks of life who maybe haven't had that track riding experience Mm -hmm. and you've got a course that's not well suited necessarily for a track bike. I mean, it could be great for a a geared bike, but with no brakes, you got to really rethink how you're going to ride that course. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You can see those really fun close up shots of, uh, the 180 (laughs) hairpins at mission crit and, um, red hook where someone's pedal is like one millimeter off of the ground <laughs> you know that's when they're really taking that super tight inside line yeah and, so, and also you you never know what happens and that's right one of the reasons why i like fixed crit racing yeah. is because you're racing all these different people and yes it can be a, um scary and it takes a very 
brave person to do a race like that. But yeah. anything can happen at any point, which sure. means that I might have a chance. Yeah, right. Like I'm, I could win this thing. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you got to believe that you got to find the right wheels to follow pretty quick in a race like that. Oh, absolutely. And um, it's really neat because I get to race against sometimes world champion and Olympic level racers. Yeah. And there's no other forum for me to do that. Right. Like unless I get to the pro level yeah. or the UCI level. Yeah. Right? Yep. Um, but that's not going to happen anytime soon. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you've you've traveled. Uh, you've done Red Hook. You've done yep. Mission Crit. Talk a little bit about some of the races that you've done around the country that you've particularly enjoyed. I loved Mission Crit. I uh, flew out to San Francisco and spent time there for the first time in my life. And I enjoyed the heck out of it. Mission Crit had just this these really fast swooping corners. Um, they had like a... I don't know what degree of, of hill you would call the grade, but um, there's Brutal, a little bit maybe. of uphill, a little <laughs> bit of uh, downhill, um, 90 degree corners, also a 180 degree hairpin. Wow. Um, but they gave, they gave the perfect birth for that hairpin. Nice. And, you know, I feel like I nailed it every single time. I started in the back of the pack um, because of qualifiers mm -hmm. and, um, not being able to clip in properly. Yeah. And it sends you right into the 180 right away after the straightaway. And I felt like it took me about half of the race. It's a 45 minute race, yeah. but it's usually like 22 laps. Okay. Um, the way that it shakes out because sure. they time your first lap. Right. Um, just like road criteriums. Yep. And um, I had. I had passed a lot and gotten to the middle, to the front nice. of the pack and maybe had 10 laps to go mm -hmm. or eight laps to go before the leaders had started lapping me. Mm -hmm. And I mean, those that's like Colette and Ash Dubon and um, our hometown hero, Nicole Mertz, yeah. who had just raced. That was their first um, fixed gear crit race. And wow. they both, her and Ash, raced for uh, the Meteor. Nice. Um, and so after they passed me, I was like, this is great. I'm still in it. Like, yeah, I'm not going to get pulled. And then with maybe six laps to, to go, um, I did end up getting pulled yeah. because they are pulling, uh, lapped riders. Sure. But that was a fun course. I bet. And, uh, man, uh, shout out to Claire, like putting this race on those, those people really, it, you could see it. Yeah. <laughs> you could see it in their face. Like they put a lot of work into that. Yeah. And I, can, I can imagine. It's, months and months. And yeah. they're trying to get people to come out and machines for freedom, uh, paid for all of the women. Wow. Entry fees. Yeah. The women's trans femme yeah, entry fees. That's awesome. Uh, that was stellar. Mm -hmm. And I think that that helped get, um, more people out and I actually that's talked great. to some people who were like, you know, I, I really didn't, want to race yeah um but then the machines for freedom was paying for the race hard to say and no to on, a free race right? right and on top of that like they're calling it a women trans femme inclusive mm -hmm. so it made them feel like a lot of people that are non-binary right. or that are there's a place for trans. me yeah 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 yep. so that was also a super neat part about that and their media was very conducive to that, that they put lots of content out. That's great. Um, so if you have a chance, you should follow Mission Crit on Instagram. Awesome. Yeah. So uh, we'll make sure we tag that uh, on the show's Instagram, which is, of course, Blast Beat Bikes. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at Blast Beat Bikes. And uh, this show will be archived later today on SoundCloud. Again, Blast Beat Bikes. Uh, follow Lila Gurton at uh, Lila Marie on facebook and where else um frat boy lila frat boy lila on, on instagram. instagram right yeah. yep are you on the twitters as well no i'm not no. on the tweets all the cool kids are going off of that Is these it? days yeah, yeah. That's, yeah i don't know nice. it's a bunch of old people like me that are on there now oh boy <laughs> yeah woo! it's all kinds of fun we're just yelling about stuff now that's pretty much all we do on twitter <laughs> <laughs> let's uh let's take a quick break uh to play some tunes you sent me a couple yeah. of uh, a couple of requests uh the first one you wanted me to play was was red fang talk a little bit about red fang Oh man, I saw Red Fang a couple winters ago, or maybe it was last winter. 
um, in concert, and it they just blow my mind every time. Yeah, like, I had never heard of them until you mentioned them. Oh, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, okay. okay. So, so let's hear a little prehistoric dog. Yeah, bring it on.
All right, that was Red Fang, a new discovery for me. Thank you for turning me on to those guys, Lila. Oh, yeah, no problem. Yeah, I'm going to have to do- dig deep into that stuff. So uh, you're listening to Blast Beats and Bicycles. This is the Bike Hour. We're here at 91.7 FM, McAllister College Radio in St. Paul, Minnesota. Uh, joined by Lila Gurton here in studio. Lila, you having a good time? Yeah, I'm having a blast. Awesome. Uh-huh. <laughs> Did you ever think you'd be on the radio? Uh, no. Um <laughs> But I have been told that I'll have a face for radio. You and me both, sister. <laughs> yeah, fist bumps all the way around the studio. So uh, so you actually work not too far away from here, right? Yeah, I work at the Highland Park Eric's Bike, Ski, and Board. Nice. And so you are... I just started there in April. Cool. Actually, April Fool's. Nice. And it was the best joke of my life so far. <laughs> That's fantastic. Uh, I'm the assistant store manager there. Nice. Yeah, I'm having a really good time learning all of the things to learn about. Like we primarily sell specialized and mm-hmm. I had never written a specialized or learned about any of the tech that they have. Yeah. So it's been a big learning curve, a That's big learning cool. experience for me. You know, one of the things that I've been really surprised at lately is the, is how big e-bikes have become. Oh, they're huge. And just within the last like eight months to a year, um, new tech has come out after new tech. Uh, they've made them They've streamlined e-bikes. They've been more accessible, uh, becoming more affordable the way that the infrastructure is driving it towards it. Yeah. I really like the Vado 6.0 that Specialized makes right now. Cool. It's this like utilitarian ultra commuter. Like you could bike pack with it. It's got a, it's got a shock on the front fork. So you get a little off-road action. Yeah. And you, there's all these different modes. They have like economy, sport, and turbo mode that you can set it up on so that the battery, Brap. yeah, the battery with class one, which are pedal assist yeah. bikes, um, the battery will allow you to reach up to 28 miles an hour. Wow. But if you have it on economy mode, one battery charge will last you like 93 miles. That's great. Which is yeah. amazing. Yeah. I know we, we have a lot of people in our company that will ride like from the city to mm-hmm. Woodbury. That's awesome. Um, ride out to their shop or yeah. ride to the warehouse when they work at the warehouse. That's great. And uh, I just like to tool around on them. Yeah. The best part of my job is like market research. Sure. I just, is that I, what you call it? Market yeah, research? Yeah, exactly. Instead of just riding a sweet ride over yeah, there? Riding yeah. a sweet ride, going to get some <laughs> coffee, go to the grocery store. I like that. I'm going to have to start calling stuff market research too. Yeah. You know, and I, and I, you know, we're right off of Ford Parkway. It's uh, 2191 Ford Parkway. It's Ford and Creighton. Yeah, right. Just uh, just as you get on the St. Paul side of the river. Yes. Mm-hmm. And so I'm super close to the dam and nice. I'm very close to the falls. Yeah. So I'll just grab like a full suspension bike if yeah. the shop is slow and just mm-hmm. go test it out and send it off of the stairs. Yeah. <laughs> Down, <laughs> down at the falls. Uh-huh. Yeah. And I stop tourists and I make them take a video of me. Nice. And then I'll be like, market research. Yeah. I'm in my Eric's button up. There you go. Perfect. And they're like, that's so cool. What is that? I was like, let's talk about uh-huh. it, actually. Do you, do you put your hill repeats from the lock and dam on Strava, too? No, not at all. No, because everyone would beat me. <laughs> I get off my awesome. bike and walk it. <laughs> <laughs> you know, one of the things that that uh, I think you know a lot of people have this perception of e-bikes, especially if they're racers or in the in the community of you know hardcore cyclists, they have this perception that e-bikes are kind of cheating. But to me, it's like when I see people on e-bikes, it's always a different group of people. It's you know older people who maybe used to go fast and mm-hmm. kind of want that again, or it's people who want to ride with people who go fast, you know, like husbands and wives, partners, you know, yeah. one, one is very strong still. And the other one just wants to kind of go for a ride, but still have both people get a good workout. Yeah. And with class one pedal assist, you have to put energy into right. it and the bike is only going to put into what you put into it. Right. So you still are getting yeah. a really good workout. Yeah. And I know that firsthand. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it also creates more accessibility for yeah. people in our community that maybe are 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 not as um, not as physically capable. Yep. I've had uh, customers come in and buy e-bikes from me who uh, maybe they've had a shoulder replacement mm-hmm. or hip replacement. Yep. And the medical professionals are telling them like movement is going to be best for you. Yeah. Um, or balance issues right. like Parkinson's. Yeah. Um, and if that's getting somebody outside and they're enjoying their life, like. We talked about that fuel for the soul. Like yep. that's really important. Yeah. And I think that's important for our community. Totally. And to 
to kind of like bash any of that new tech that's coming out because maybe it gives someone an advantage. Um, it's it's not pro racing. Yeah, it's, it's not, not what in it's about. pro or it's amateur not racing. Not at all what it's so, about. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I'm I'm t- I'm all for e-bikes. I think they're the really the coolest thing in the whole yeah, world. Yeah, they're and neat. Yeah, there's they're another fun. one called Go Cycle. Yeah, that Eric sells, and I haven't ridden one yet, but it's a fold-up e-bike. Wow, and I think that is pretty dope. Yeah, I mean, if you're a commuter, what could be better? Jump on the yeah. on the the A line, you know, out yeah. there in front of the shop, and take it downtown, and then you can go out for a ride over lunch or something. Yeah, that's really cool. I mean, why get stuck in traffic in right. a car when yeah. you can yeah. ride there. That's awesome. And if you can ride somewhere safely. Yeah. That's, that's the best yeah, that's the best way. Yep. Best way to get to work. So uh so there's another aspect of you and and your history that a lot of people don't know. <laughs> what did you uh, dig up? <laughs> uh, well the internet stores everything pretty much. <laughs> it does. Um you've uh you've you've recorded some music of your own. Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm a recorded artist. Yeah. Talk a little bit about what, uh, how you got started in that and what, what that means to you. I was initially inspired by my grandmother, who I lived with growing up. And uh, she sang in the Sweet Adelines, which was like all women's touring. My like, mother-in-law really, is a Sweet Adeline. Really? Yeah. Are they still doing? No, she's, okay. she hasn't done it for a while, but yeah. Is Sweet Adeline still around? I think so, yeah. Oh my gosh, that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and so I started singing in church choir. Nice. And I was a mezzo-soprano since probably about the sixth grade on. And then I picked up the guitar when I was 17 because I thought, how hard would it be to learn how to play? And I taught myself. And then my sister and I started playing shows, and I was like gigging pretty much all over the Twin Cities. Nice. Everywhere from like Lower Town 262 Studios mm-hmm. to uh, the 400 Bar, if you wow. remember the 400 Bar. Yeah. That's the big time. Yeah. And 7th Street Entry. I no that kidding. Too. Yeah. Wow. That's huge. Congratulations. Yeah, it is cool. Thank you. Yeah. Um, but, you know, like hobbies, right. I, I like to dive in and <laughs> I guess. go all in. And yeah. I kind of kind of lost that sense, you yeah. know, between growing up and getting right. a big boy job and <laughs> yeah, paying rent. Yeah. Stuff like rent. that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I still dabble every cool. once in a while. Yep. Um, but I'm pretty proud of like the recordings that I did. Yeah. Um, I was in studio with uh Thomas Maddox, okay. who owns old fashioned records. Mm-hmm. Him and Cody Fitzpatrick did um all of my like studio recordings and nice they did a really nice job and that's great it would be so fun to get the band back together sometime <laughs> well uh we happen to have found something on the internet on Sweet. your band camp page are you Sweet. ready for us to play some of that yeah let's do this all right here it comes this is chicago Thank you. 
make me hit the dirt can i call you on the telephone all right lila that was awesome thank you that was uh, so that was amateur uh, was an yeah. song off of your chicago ep yes uh yeah. where can people find that um you can purchase it on bandcamp you go to lilamarie.bandcamp.com that was that was really cool. Thank you. That was really Thank cool. You. Yeah, it was a blast from the past. Yeah. Um, that song was uh, written by my cousin and I, which is really interesting because I had started the song and he had kind of helped me um, fill in some verses. Yeah. Because I was like, oh, I had this this crush on this woman, and <laughs> so that's kind of how the, the song started. Nice. And uh, yeah. That's all she wrote. That's great. <laughs> well, it's 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 fantastic music, and and I hope people will will go check it out on Thank on LilaMarie.bandcamp.com. Yeah, that was that was really cool. Good all luck. right, so we've got um, we've got an event coming up tonight, yeah. starting tonight. Talk a little bit about Powderhorn Twenty Four. Powderhorn Twenty Four. I am so excited, nervous, all of the above. <laughs> um, so Powderhorn Twenty Four is a community ride, and. It was inspired by the River West 24 in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It's a ride and race, however you want to define that. Define it yep. on your own. And it's for 24 hours. It is in the neighborhood of Powderhorn. Mm -hmm. um, and the idea behind it was to get people out on their bikes, experience the community. Um, there are lots of different uh, bonus stops during during the ride. Mm -hmm. You're given a manifest, um, and so it's basically a punch card. It's a lanyard that you wear. You have a number, and your bike has a number, and you have to go to all four checkpoints in order to get all four of your checkpoints stamped on the manifest, and then every 10 laps, you get a new manifest. And so in the past... Some people have ridden over 300 miles on their own. Wow. Some people ride. Um, there's uh, some really awesome inclusive groups this year mm -hmm. as well. So some people will ride um, non-binary mm -hmm. uh, or a team of all women or women trans femme, a team of all men or mixed gender. Mm -hmm. Some will race solo. Um, and now this year there's a new category. It's the tandem category. And you're maybe riding in that category, aren't you? I didn't know that it was a category <laughs> until yesterday. My friend Eamon Casey and I were like, wouldn't it be funny to ride tandem? And I was like, okay, whose tandem can we borrow? Oh, and have you ever been on a tandem before? And he's like, no. And I've only been on a tandem one other time. Oh, good. With Ben Erickson. Nice. He rode on a tandem. He brought me on a tandem wow. for the first time years ago. And I was like, okay, let's uh, borrow a tandem from our friend Wade. And on What's Wednesday. What's the worst that could happen? Yeah, on Wednesday, <laughs> we went on our on our maiden voyage together oh and it went well Good. but like for having no tandem miles under yeah. your belt and starting tonight at seven he wants to go hard and wow. i want to chill yeah because i like the community aspect right. of it well that's the beauty of a tandem right yeah. i mean you could put your feet up if you're the stoker on the back you could just put your feet up and he can go as hard as he wants to but i'm the stoker uh -huh. all the watts <laughs> All the watts, right. Hmm. I was like, just keep us upright and I'll throw some watts down. It'll be okay. But yeah, I could I could definitely awesome. kick my feet up. And totally. You don't really have to balance when you're in the back. No. It's amazing. So I've been getting some tips from famous teams like Double Cheeseburger. <laughs> the legendary. Yep. And, <laughs> and um, yeah, my friends Brian and Sarah both have... Uh, raced their bike on tandems nice. and double cheeseburgers, Andy and Nikki. Yep. And so, yeah, I was like, what are your tipsy? What do you got for me? And I don't know how many other tandems are going to be out there. All right. So you might podium. We, we might. We might. <laughs> That'd yeah. be cool. That, that's how I like to podium by default. <laughs> <laughs> right. You know what? Half of there half a win and it's showing up. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so, so do you know what the stops are this year? Um, so all four stops are the same as last year mm -hmm. and it's a five mile route okay. and it starts at peace coffee and then goes down 35th to 35th and Hiawatha, right? Or Minnehaha 35th and Minnehaha, I think is, or is it 33rd peace coffee? Yeah. 
It's 28. Or, oh, you're talking about the headquarters. Yes. Oh, yeah, not, yeah, the, yeah, not yeah. the coffee shop. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Yeah, yeah. So it goes down the Greenway, east yep. down the Greenway. Yep. Um, and then you're going to go south down like 21st um, all the way to somewhere in the 40s. Yep. Um, and there's a house stop there. And then the third stop, you just shoot directly west in the 40s. It's I can't remember what street it is. Um, and then there's another house stop. And then you go up to the start finish, which is going to be on the Greenway um, next to Freewill. So it's that 10th Street yep. and the Greenway. Yep. And that's where, like, base camp is going to be for everyone. And they're going to have um, the... The checkpoint number four yep. is the last and first checkpoint, technically the mm-hmm. last, and um, that's where like you can go to get more information about the ride if you want to volunteer. Mm-hmm. We definitely like encourage people to volunteer. If you ride in a team of three or more, you have a, I believe a two hour slot of mm-hmm. volunteering because nice. they have bonus stops, uh-huh. and the bonus stops are going to equal points so within 24 hours you have a handful of bonus stops and they usually like to highlight and showcase different places cool and like um one stop one year was at the uh heart of the beast theater fun um there was another one off of chicago where you got to weld learn how to like do something. oh yeah at the fire arts building yeah yeah, yeah. very cool and so it's a good time like mm-hmm. you get to meet local small mom yeah. and pop businesses. Yeah. Mike Kimmick, uh, the guy who runs bikes and pieces on oh, yeah. 48th in Chicago, the bike shop down there, uh, hosted a, a bonus stop one year. I remember that one. That yeah. was a good one. Right on the start finish of the South side sprint, South side sprint. Yeah. And then there's fun. Like, uh, last year Eastlake had, um, like a little, like a, like a cyclocross course. <laughs> yeah. Made with kegs. Nice. And so like you had to go around That's this awesome. little course and then they stamped you fun, um, for your bonus goal. So, I like that. I like yeah. chilling. I like seeing Lots everybody. Lots of fun, different variety. It's amazing to see how people get through yeah. the night, riding yeah. in the night, because then it gets really strung out. Sure. People are far and few between. Yep. You you sometimes ride on your own mm-hmm. for a while. Yep. Um, I know that a lot of solo riders who have ridden and, and won in the past mm-hmm. um, don't really take very many breaks. Yeah. So they're riding for almost 24 hours straight. That's like six day race kind of stuff. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I would love to do six day racing, but um, I would not like to go 24 hours. No. Alone yeah. All time. So uh, what's the name of your team? We are Steel Going Strong. Steel Going Strong. Nicely done. Yes. I suspect you're on a steel tandem. Aren't yes, you? We yeah, are. yeah, you are. Yes, okay. we are. And, uh, and how can people follow your results? Is, is it going to be live timing? Um, I believe so. It has been in the past, okay. um, as long as, um, the specific application, cause they're like, it's copywritten. Yep. So as long as they they're able to use, um, the, the dat, that application, yep. I think they'll be able to do those leaderboards. Nice. I looked on the site today and it said leaderboard 2018. Mm-hmm. So I only can right. assume gonna, that there's yeah. going to be a leaderboard. So you go to Potterhorn 24. 24.com. Yep. Okay. Potterhorn24.com. Yep. Got it. Super easy. Cool. And that's the way that you can follow it and um, support it too. Like if you guys are out and about between the hours of seven this evening and seven tomorrow, Saturday, mm-hmm. the 11th, um, cheer on riders, yeah. make little signs, yeah. bring people water. Um, you're really self-supported, but there's so many people around like giving you like water hand ups or banana nice. hand ups yeah. or burgers. There's always this like big uh, lamb roast that Team Meat Man does, and their <laughs> name is Team Meat Man. And they have multiple teams that are like nice. um, like Meat Man like solo. There's a solo person or <laughs> Team Meat Man Meat Attack. Nice. And they'll be like somewhere in Powderhorn Park, and they'll just shave off meat for you. Nice. Um, and in the morning, there's a big breakfast that they have um, at Powderhorn Park they did last year, which was like life saving because they had like really good yogurt yeah. and banana. And yeah, that's when you need the fuel, right? Yeah. 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 Yep. Awesome. And so if you're available, come down, cheer cool. on your yeah. racers. 
Awesome. Find me with a loudspeaker. <laughs> Steel going strong. Steel going strong. <laughs> All right. Well, Lila, this has just been a ton of fun. I can't believe an hour's gone by already. This oh, is crazy. man. Yeah. Did you have a good time? It was great. It was yeah. the best thing it ever. Was, it was really fun this having you. highlight of my year. <laughs> well, let's see. You better you better make tonight your highlight of your year. Okay, it might. This good. might be the second highlight of my year. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. All right. Well, I've got to do one other thing before we close out the show. Normally, I play Bicycle Races by Queen as our closer. Sweet. Uh, but Sunday is my 23rd wedding anniversary. Oh. So I'm going to play for Lisa uh, the song that we used as our recessional at our wedding. Congratulations, Lisa and Jason. <laughs> Wake up, well I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who wakes up next to you. When I go out, yeah I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you. If I get drunk, well I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who gets drunk next to you. And if I haver, yeah I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's havering to you. But I would walk 500 miles and I would walk 500 more to be the man who walked a thousand miles to fall down at your door. When I'm working, yes, I know I'm gonna be, I'm gonna be the man who's working hard for you. And when the money comes in for the work I do, I'll pass almost every penny on to you. When I I'm gonna be the man who comes back home to you And if I broke Well I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who's growing over you But I would walk 500 miles And I would walk 500 more If there be a man who walks a thousand miles To fall down at I'm gonna be the man who's lonely without you And when I'm dreaming Well, I know I'm gonna dream I'm gonna dream about the time when I'm with you When I go out when I go Well, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who goes along with you And when I come home I come home yes, I know I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the man who comes back home with you I'm gonna be the man who's coming home